Number 11, Marco Reus, Borussia Dortmund. Thank you for downloading the BVB Buzz Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Dunn. Coming up today, we have Joshua Sampson. He is the site expert for BVB Buzz. We will be talking an array of topics. We recorded that podcast on Wednesday because he went on vacation. He's in beautiful Seattle today. So we're a little behind. Obviously, a couple of preseason games have happened already. More transfer rumors, more this, more that have happened. So I'm going to talk two topics before we uh, get to that interview. We're going to be talking about Bumiang, January rumors, and the Chicharito uh, possibly going to Dortmund, but now officially you can cross that off the list because he'll be joining West Ham. Uh, last week on the podcast, I talked to Aiden Ray. He's one of our beat writers for BVB Buzz, and we talked about coverage for strikers. Olivier Giroud possibly could come in for a Bumiang or Chicharito, maybe come in as a backup or maybe be the starter. And I was thinking about it, about Chicharito, right? You know, I th- thought about it for the last week. I was talking to a couple of people on Twitter, Facebook, and then, I, you know, just through some text conversations. And here's here's hits the nail on the hammer. Chicharito was available. He had a decent time at Manchester United. He played under Jose Mourinho at Real Madrid. And Mourinho wanted him after his first season, 35 million pounds, 35 million years, one of those two figures. Still a lot of money at the time. And and then the opportunity came. We went on loan there, had the semifinal strike, had some had a decent moment, but never really cracked it at the top level as a striker. You know, not the not the guy. You know what I mean? He he was there, and then he lost his place to Danny Welbeck, and then he went on loan to Madrid, as I mentioned, and then he ended up at Leverkusen. Here's the thing: he was available for peanuts in this transfer market. A guy that could obviously score a lot of goals. He has. He's got a great career, all-time leading goal scorer for Mexico, and did really well in the Bundesliga. But he does go through spells is that he hits when he's in form, he scores a lot of goals. But he goes through a lot of dry spells, and he really dried up at the tail end of his United career. And he was drying up a little bit at the end of his Leverkusen career. And I was very happy that Dortmund didn't go in for him, even to bring him in as a backup striker. And I know all the great Dortmund fans, you can let us know at BVB Buzz on Twitter or Soccer D-U-N-N-E, what your thoughts on Chicharito Javier Hernandez is and was it a bad idea for them not to go for him, or was it a great idea for them not to go in for him? I'm on the side where I thought it was a great idea. You know, Jose had the opportunity to bring him in. They do need a backup striker at United, and they said, no, we're not going to do it. And then you look at the options. The best team available was West Ham United, a team that struggled in the Premier League last season. And he was great in his first season with Leverkusen, but last season he wasn't so good for Leverkusen. And that should really tell you that the fee was, I think, is around 13, uh, 13 million euros. So his value is not that high. Uh, his impact, obviously, at the highest level is questionable. And, you know, you look at all these people, they look at the numbers, and I'm so happy Dorman didn't because I think he's never learned, the you know, what onside is and what offside is. I think that's his biggest problem is that he's always offsides. 
and I don't think he would have moved the needle in all competitions. Me and Aiden talked about it last week. If you want to listen to the episode two of the BVB Buzz podcast and hear a little bit of that discussion, but I truly believe, and this is just looking at it with the as I do the eye test. And it's just by watching. It isn't going through the analytics because everyone's got a statistic. And I'm not a firm believer in statistics because you can show the stats, but it doesn't always translate to what happens on the field. And people can say, oh, Wayne Rooney wasn't that bad for Manchester United last season. But when you look at the eye test and you watch the United play, he was awful. And you look at Dortmund. Would Chicharito, after watching Bayern Leverkusen, would he have improved the Dortmund side? I don't think so. And Dortmund is a side that shouldn't be trying to bring players in that won't improve the side. Even if you lose a Bumiang, you don't go after him. I would have gone after Anthony Modeste. Obviously, he went to the Chinese Super League for extremely outrageous money. But if a Bumiang would have been moved first before Modeste, I mean, his season at Cologne, way better than Chicharito. Real good upside. And a prospect possibly that could crack into the French striking core. And that is something when you look at the at the the options that they have already for striker for the French national team. And Modeste was one of those guys that was on the periphery of breaking into that squad. And possibly if he hasn't if he would have had another great year in the Bundesliga, he would have been on the plane. But obviously he took that the Chinese Super Super League money and obviously he won't be going on a plane to Russia in twenty eighteen. And before we get to Josh's interview, one more uh, little tidbit I want to touch on. Aubameyang, uh, there's these new rumors. I think it's just all media propaganda, to be honest with you, saying Aubameyang will move in January. Dortmund said he's not leaving. And in January, if they are either leading the Bundesliga or within a point or two of the Bundesliga, do you think they're going to give up their star asset in Aubameyang? They won't. And I, I hate when t- clubs and media members try to trump up these, you know, stories. And, you know, a lot of journalists could be paid to write certain articles, especially for newspapers in those countries, by other people. You know, back in the 50s and 60s in the United States, journalists could get people fired because of their writing, because so many people read them. And then when you transition to the 90s, sports talk radio in the United States took off as well, and Sports talk radio personalities had such a reach on the population of sports fans that they could influence what was going on at a club. Obviously, social media, everything's instantaneously. Everything's kind of watered down on a million podcasts. But there's some really good podcasts out there, and there's a lot of bad podcasts out there. We're lucky the BBB Buzz podcast be one of those great places that we deliver great content week in and week out. And I hate the fact that journalists are writing these bad stories because it's bad journalism. You know, you want these journalists to write some really good stuff. And we have a lot of great writers at BVB Buzz. You can check them out on BVBBuzz.com and check them out on social media as well. There are numerous accounts and a lot of great people, a lot of good articles. We don't write these bad pieces. We write really good in-depth pieces that really help connect the fan to what's actually going on. We're not going to trump up these stories and reiterate these negative stories like a bummy yank could leave in January for a Chinese Super League team. No, he's not going to. The club has said no, and these journalists that are lazy, that don't want to do real reporting, that say, hey, you know what? He didn't actually go. The Super League transfer window is closed. Let's go about a week later. We're going to write one about him leaving in January. That kind of stigma really neg- negatively affects journalism, and they really need to knock it off. 
because lazy journalism leads to outcry on social media and then obviously the clubs will take shots at at these uh, you know, at these media organizations and at these journalists and then it looks bad on the journalists and it makes them look lazy and it makes them look like they're not professional and they lose their credibility and the bad writers should lose their credibility but one bad egg should not ruin it for all the good ones out there and there's a lot of tremendous writers especially with us on our blog bvb buzz we have so many great writers and it starts from the top and it goes all the way to the bottom and i'm just a spoke in the wheel i'll tell you guys my podcast that i do for bb for bvb buzz it's good but the writers they do such a great job and when we can go weave in and out of their stories and they can tell us what their perspective is and why they were writing this story and how they were writing that story it's great I really enjoy that because you can break down each facet and we don't go through all the articles. When we have Aiden Ray on or Joshua Sampson on, we don't talk about the whole piece because we want you to also read that piece because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to influence you. We want to just go through the, the hot points, but we don't give you, we give you some of the meat and some of the potatoes, but we're not giving you the dessert either. That's what the good thing we do here is that we try to connect the podcast to the blog, to the articles. We try to be like a heart. We try to be, you know, we're trying to run like a cardiovascular system. That everything has to work to make sure, you know, we make sure everything works as a team and tandems. And that's what journalists need to do. They need to work in teams to make sure these bad articles about players like Aubameyang leaving Borussia Dortmund in January to the Chinese Super League get weeded out. So I think he's going to stay. And I really think, and I said it before and I'll say it again, I think Aubameyang, Pulisic, and Dembele will be the trilogy that strike the fear into an aging Bayern side. And I think if they can blitz the league early and they can do it often, they get off to a great start this season under Bose. I truly believe the league could be Dortmund's this season. I truly believe that. I think they got a young enough team, a hungry enough team, and a team that's taking the next step. Pulisic wants to take the next step. Dembele, Aubameyang. If Aubameyang gives you the same season he had last season, Dembele ups his production. Pulisic ups his production. Obviously, you get more you know, input from veteran players like Kagawa, like Sahin. These players, they step up, and the defense, they hold on. They are sturdy. And when the Rafael Guerreros come back, they will be good. All they really need to worry about is the start. If they have a great start with the kind of attacking players they have, I truly believe Borussia Dortmund could run this league and be title contenders and possibly lift up the Bundesliga title at the end of the season. Now we're going to go to our interview with Joshua Sampson. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, the interview was recorded on Wednesday, so please... Give it a little easy to us. You know, obviously we're not going to talk about the preseason game that happened on Saturday. And we talk about a couple of topics. He's going to Seattle. And for all of our Borussia Dortmund fans, we do laugh at Bayern Munich for losing to Arsenal. And fun fact, they lost to AC Milan 4 to nothing as well today in preseason. So maybe this is a, some signs to come for this Bayern Munich team. They're losing to Arsenal. They get stomped by Milan. I truly believe this could be the year for Borussia Dortmund. And now, our interview with Joshua Sampson. Joining me on the line, he's my buddy. 
He's our good pal. He's the site expert for BVB Buzz. It is Joshua Sampson. How you doing today, bud? I'm doing good. How about yourself, sir? I can't complain. Uh, pre-warning for everyone listening to this Sunday podcast. We are recording this on Wednesday because Josh is going on a little mini vacation, so we wanted to get him on before he goes on his vacation. He is our fearless leader. We wanted to make sure that everyone at least got to hear Josh before he went on vacation and his brain gets fried from having too much fun. So we're good. So let's go. Let's go to the preseason game. Uh, Milan versus Dortmund. What is the biggest takeaway from a Dortmund's fan perspective from this match? Oh, I guess the first takeaway is we don't want to wake up. If you're in the United States, you don't want to wake up at 6 in the morning to watch a game. Oh, of, course, uh, of course you don't. That's ridiculous. I, I They need to stop playing these games in China. They really, really do because it's really affecting our sleep schedule. Yeah, the worst part was it was it was a late night game in uh, Guangzhou, so, or Guangzhou, so <clears throat> the 7 p.m. local time start there. You know, it was just you know, early enough that you can justify getting up for it, but it was that it was like five or four, yeah, my, my butt's in bed, but um, going to what you're saying, I think the biggest takeaway is, one, you know, the team finally looked compelling. Mm-hmm. In the previous two games against Vice Essen, um, especially, I'll, I'll highlight on that, they didn't look good at all. I mean, obviously they lost to, you know, not even a top-tier side, and it was actually... It was embarrassing to watch, but now you finally have, you know, Dortmund hitting their stride. They, you know, they won three one. Aubameyang got a brace. Pulisic, you can actually say, got a hat trick of assists, even though two, you know, technically counted. But the team, for once, looks comfortable, mm-hmm. and that's the main takeaway for me. Uh, with both now knowing his team, and we'll get into that into a second, I assume. But you know, players are like, this is the system now. We understand it. You know, back four was very successful against Milan. And, you know, going forward, it looks great. There was only one downside I had to the match, and that was Emre Moore dribbling too much. But other than that, I thought it was pretty good. All right. Which player is putting himself in the best position to be in the starting 11 against Wolfsburg on August 19th when the Bundesliga season starts up? I know we're looking really far in advance here. But, you know, these preseason games can be very beneficial to getting yourself in the starting 11, especially with some injuries to some of the main guys in the starting 11 going to be missing the start of the season. Which player or two has really put themselves in a great position to be starters uh, for the first game of the season against Wolfsburg? Definitely. I think, first first off, I'd say actually Christian Pulisic. And the reason why I say that is, one, he's getting starts this preseason with Royce out. Um, and also, I would say, because he's performed well in, the, in these games, and since you have Royce injured, you'll probably see Dembele slide over to the left-hand side and pull it to slide over to the right, and that case is even more convincing for me because Maximilian Phillips, who hasn't been with the team recently because of his time at uh, the UEFA Euro U21 tournament, you know, he would compete for that spot typically, but he's not there. So I'd have to say Pulisic is really making a strong case for him to start. And then my second player, who I don't think, it, it definitely won't happen. I'm going to make a statement on that. Mm-hmm. But I think Dan Axel Zagadu has been arguably the most impressive player for Dortmund this preseason. Um, you know, coming as a you know a center back that's just a young, promising center back from Paris Saint-Germain, and playing out of position as, as a fullback, it has performed phenomenally well. He was very calm. In every situation that he's had so far, you know, he doesn't look rattled, even though he's, I believe, only 18 years old. He looks, 
very, very comfortable being in, you know, out of position, or he looks comfortable when he has high pressure against him. So I think he's been phenomenal. I don't think he'll get a starting position, but I certainly he's working himself into a position into that 18-man roster going forward. Well, that's really good news. Two young bucks having a real good opportunity to put themselves in the starting 11 or in the 18 for the first Bundesliga game of the season. And you mentioned Dembele and you mentioned Pulisic. Uh, Dembele can play across on the right wing and the left wing. How much of a drop-off is it for him to play on the left wing compared to the right wing? To be honest, I, I can't really fully answer that question mm-hmm. because I haven't seen enough footage and game time of Dembele. Um, you know, being on the left wing, to put it honestly. Yeah. But what what I will say about Dembele is his you know just ability on the ball is phenomenal. Um, and no matter where he is on the field, he's going to be one of the most influential players. Whether he's sliding in a cam, whether he's out on the right, his natural ability, or whether he's on the left, he's going to do a phenomenal job. And I'm pretty sure he is a right footer. But what I can say is he's basically ambidextrous. He can use his left, he can use his right, and he can have the same amount of efficiency with both. So I think for Dembele to be on the left would be better than having Pulisic on the left. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you know, I can't give too much you know, analysis because I haven't seen a lot of footage, but he's such an influential and creative mind that wherever you put him, hell, hell you can even put him at freaking center back and he'll probably do something magical, but... He's just a player that you want on your team, wherever you can put him. You know, it should be it should be fine. He's a player that's one of the first on the team sheet. Uh, one of the big news is one of the big news that you broke on BVBBuzz.com is that Aubameyang is staying with the club, and with that possibly happening, you know, the window's still open. Anything can happen. Any biggest to come come in. Even though the Dortmund people are saying he's staying, you never know if an offer comes in. Obviously, it can change people's minds. But if he does say. What kind of season should we expect from him? I mean, he had an incredible season last year. Is it the more of the same, or does he need to take a step up because Royce is going to be missing a portion of the season again? I actually don't think Obama needs a step up, but I know it's probably a weird opinion to have. But mm-hmm. he was gold, a Golden Boot winner, obviously, last year. He nicked uh, Lewandowski in the last match day of the season. But going forward this year... This may be the last year we see Aubameyang in black and yellow, mm-hmm. but it's extremely important, and Dortmund needs to realize this, is that the boards you know, put their foot down, and now if Aubameyang stays at Dortmund, they are very successful. Say they, you know, best-case scenario, they get to the semifinals of the Champions League, they win the Bundesliga, you know, they win the DFB Pokal again. You know, if you can create that winning culture under Peter Bosz, that I really think Aubameyang actually might want to stay at Dortmund rather than exploring his options because the club has shown him that they can be, you know, at the top. But yeah, I don't think Aubameyang needs to really step up his game. I think he just needs to have the same type of production. The youngsters are the ones that need to continue to develop and improve themselves, uh, in my honest opinion. But I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's staying. I think it's the best fit for him. Yeah, the two other clubs that he was willing to go to at the end were Chelsea and AC Milan. Um, AC Milan, I could see being a good fit, but the quality of play you'd be having, you know, his opponents, uh, excuse me, he wouldn't be in Champions League football. He may be in the Europa League if Milan win and get into it. So he wouldn't be at the top level, and I don't think that's attractive to him at the moment. And with Chelsea, you know, Aubameyang's not the big target forward that you typically have. He's a big frame, 
that likes to use his pace rather than his physicality. So I don't think that's the best fit for the Premier League. So in reality, you know, he did the right thing. Well, not really him, but the board did. <laughs> and saying he can't leave. And I think he's a perfect fit at Dortmund. I think if he just continues that same level of production, um, things should be all, you know, peachy going forward. How many players do you expect Dortmund to get rid of this summer? Are we expecting a couple more out the door, like two, three? What's the number we're expecting Dortmund to kind of cut from the squad? And obviously, once you cut, you got to bring other uh, people in and acquire other players. So how many players are we expecting Dortmund to let go this summer? You know, honestly, I don't think too many. I think... Is it two? Is it two? Or is it three? Two or three? I'd say, right now, I'd say two. Mm-hmm. And... The reason why I say that is I don't think any big names are leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, like Dembele, Pulisic, you know, bombing obviously, Michael. I don't think they're leaving. Uh, but I do know Mikel Moreno, our uh, Sean D'Souza actually released yesterday that Mikel Moreno is actually on the verge of joining uh, Spanish side Atletico Bilbao. So I could see Moreno obviously leaving soon. He hasn't performed well. And in a crowded Dortmund midfield, especially in the center mid role, you know, I can see him being the odd man out and leaving uh, Signal Iduna Park this year. So that'd be one person. And then if I had to get to another player that could be on his way out, I think Rafael Guerrero may be on his way out because a club like Juventus, um, if they do lose Alexandra, which it, at one point they said they would, at one point now they're not. They did lose to Danny Alves, but, you know, they might want to add depth to the fullback. You might see another team want a versatile player, like maybe a PSG swoops in and gets them. So that could happen, but since he got injured at the Confederations Cup, I actually think that's a blessing in disguise for Dortmund as maybe that will you know, decrease his transfer value and also interest from other clubs. But I one for sure, but I would say optimistically maybe two at the most leaving. All right, two at the most leaving. And let's talk about something really exciting. It's BBB Buzz. It's one of the best Twitter handles for Borussia Dortmund fans, not even in the United States, but around the world. You're very interactive. You run the Twitter account, and you're very, very fun, and you have poll questions. You have a lot of great articles. A lot of people can check you guys out, BBB Buzz, on Twitter and BBBBuzz.com to read the articles. When you tweet about Dortmund players, which player gets the most interactions? Because yesterday was uh, World Emoji Day, so obviously everyone was tweeting about emojis and having a lot of fun. And you got in on the action on BVB Buzz. Which player, let's say you pick, let's pick one player, you know, one or two players. Which one gets the most interactions? Which one gets featured the most in your mentions? You post a picture, you post an article about this said player. Which one generates the most interest from fans around the world and Dortmund fans as well? You know, most people would guess somebody like a Christian Pulisic or an Aubameyang. And while they are very, very, you know, sought out by fans and seeing what's going on in their lives. The person that actually has the most you know, interest, especially on our site with people, is Mark Bartra. And I personally wouldn't have guessed this, but Bartra, I think, has one of the biggest followings out of the entire team. And it's not maybe the biggest. I'm not, not sure maybe Royce has a beat out. But you know, Bartra actually followed back our site. Um, he likes a couple of posts that uh, we've tagged him. And I know, like you mentioned, we did uh, World Emoji Day. Um, and we had a picture of him lifting his arms up after his first game back, um, you know, in a Dortmund jersey after the tragic bombing incident mm-hmm. against Monaco uh, before that match. And, you know, he liked it, and now I think we have somewhere around 467 likes in that photo. So it's cool to see him really, you know, interacting with people on Twitter. Um, he's a really nice guy. He's really always seen with a smile, and he's one of the most 
if you can tell, especially this last season, he's one of the most dedicated players to this club, despite only being here for a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we all need to realize he came over from Barcelona you know, to replace Matt Hummels, essentially, and he's already kind of ingrained himself in the middle of the club's framework and in the club's supporters. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves him. You know, he puts literally his blood, sweat, and tears out there for Dortmund, and he's, he's one of the funnest guys to really be around, whether it's him putting a Twitter video, people pretending to be Mario Kart, people outside of uh, the Dortmund bus in Japan, or it's just him smiling. He really captivates a large audience. So Mark Barcher definitely for us is, is the biggest, you know, kind of player we interact with. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that we do interact with. I wish Pulisic was interacting with us more since we are, you know, kind of a U.S.-based company. Mm-hmm. But you can't always get what you want. No, you can't. I mean, the kid from Hershey, Pennsylvania, very popular figure. I mean, everyone's probably trying to get a little bit of piece of him, and I bet you he's just happy enough to – Hey, at least these people are talking about me here back at home. And you know, maybe one day he'll be on the BVB Buzz podcast. But you mentioned Bartha, and before we transition onto our last question, which will involve Bayern Munich and maybe possibly laughing at them for uh, the result against Arsenal. Uh, well, how would we how would we grade his? You know, as we mentioned, he comes in for Hummels. He's pretty much a like for like swap for him. You know, he's brought in to replace him. How would we grade his season, his last season with the club? Obviously, he gives us all this, you know, everything, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, as you mentioned. You know, from a player of Hummel's quality going into the Bayern Munich team and going right into the first team, Bartha coming from Barcelona, obviously not being, you know, not kicking on and really, you know, you know, staking a claim in the starting eleven for Barcelona. I mean, one of the best club teams in the world. How would you grade him eighth through F? How would you grade his transition from Spain to Germany? You know, and coming from, you know, Barcelona to Dortmund. How would you grade it A through F? It's honestly really hard to put it all in one overall grade for Bartra. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way I can answer this question is by not answering it. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> but, a, what I, what an answer there, guys. <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna but I'm gonna answer it. I'm yeah. gonna answer okay. it. Okay. I like it. Uh, but the best way I would do it is split it up into two different grades. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I would say effort and really like a cultural grade and then that I would say he gets in a kind of branching off my last answer you know he's really integrated into the community he's very well receptive by the fans and every time he goes out you know he's not taking plays off you know he's not putting the blame game on other teammates you know he's really the ideal he's the player's player so to speak that you want on the field Mm -hmm. and for that I give him an A for on the field performance like the quality I can't give him an A because he did miss a lot of time, and I know people may be mad at me for saying that, but obviously he couldn't do anything about the injury he sustained mm-hmm. um, back in March. But what can be said is when he was on the field, you know, there was a little bit of an adjustment period. You know, from the beginning, you know, adjusting to the Bundesliga a little bit more physical than La Liga, in my opinion. You yeah. see him struggle a little bit, but you know, kind of culminating in the final game of the season against Werder Bremen. You know, I thought he was actually phenomenal. You know, first game back off injury um, in the starting lineup, and he performed phenomenally well. So for that, I give him like a B plus, um, maybe an A minus because we'll have a little bit of grace. I will have a lot of grace, excuse me, on the injury. Mm-hmm. But you know, there was a, that at the beginning, a little bit of a transition period, which won't give me an A plus. But coming in, replacing the, the captain, you know, the guy that everybody thought would be the face of Dortmund going forward, and then he leaves. You know, filling those in those footsteps is a hard job to do, and I thought he did a thought he did a really good job of it, especially as far as the cultural aspect goes, really interacting with the community. So, for Bartram, I 
give him an A plus culturally, and then you know, kind of a B plus, A minus uh, performance wise. All right, Josh. Last question before I let you go, and you can enjoy the wonderful uh, vacation you're going to have. Bayern Munich. They lost to Arsenal. Usually, the uh, the daily, you know, once a year. Uh, Bayern gets to play Arsenal in the Champions League in the round of 16. Arsenal get embarrassed by Bayern by a big scoreline over two legs. And this time, it didn't happen. You know, this year, they're not going to play each other in the Champions League because Arsenal missed out and Bayern obviously won Bundesliga. So we have to have our daily, you know, our yearly competition against each other. Our, you know, this season, they get to play each other once and it's in a, you know, preseason friendly and Arsenal beat Bayern Munich. So... You know, I saw it on Twitter. Arsenal fans are saying they're going to win the league because they beat Bayern Munich in a preseason friendly. That is a true story. So, should we? How much should we be laughing at Bayern Munich? As Dortmund fans, we should be laughing at Bayern because they lost to Arsenal. All right. First off, as somebody who supports Arsenal in the Premier League because of the amount of German players they've had over the years, that's absurd. I do not think we're league favorites at the moment. So, laugh at them first. We're laughing. Uh, we're laughing at both teams. We're laughing at Arsenal, and we are laughing at at Bayern Munich because they lost to Arsenal. So. Yeah, hold on, the, hold on. Let's let's, is, let's get our laughing. Ha 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 ha. Laughed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I need I need to that. Uh, but in, in all in all reality, with the Bayern game, you don't read too much into it. No. I mean, congrats to Arsenal for not getting their you know the butt blown out of the water in China. But you know you have to realize the team that Bayern was fielding. One, you're fielding new players. Thomas Rodriguez. Uh, Corentin Tolisso, both newbies at Bayern Munich, they're trying to get integrated to the squad. It was no Jerome Boateng as he stayed back uh, to work on his recovery, and also no Manuel Neuer, who's still, you know, kind of working on his road to recovery as well from that calf injury he sustained in the Champions League against Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one thing I think the biggest weakness of Bayern, um, from a depth standpoint, especially a goalkeeper, uh, I don't have confidence in Sven Ulreich. I believe Tom Starka is actually out. I think I'm pretty sure he confirmed his retirement. He may be back or not, essentially with Neuer out. But you know, I don't feel confident in either of them. So for you know, Arsenal to score a couple goals, I didn't personally watch the match, but I assume it wasn't the best goalkeeping, just from the track record I've had. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into it, especially from a Dortmund fan looking at Bayern losing. Uh, hey, we're Dort- we're Dortmund people here on the BVB Buzz podcast. I think this is a good. You know, indication that we're going to win the league this year. I mean, they, we we did lose to Ron Vizas, but that that's all. That's fake news. That, you know, that was our first game of the that, preseason. That's fake I news. It. That was not fake news. That, that was real news. It did not happen. I saw a three-one victory against Milan. I'm very confident. I'm really pumped up. I saw Arsenal beat Bayern Munich. It's our year. It's it is Borussia Dortmund's year. Bartha leading the charge with Royce coming back, Dembele taking the next step, Pulisic taking the next step, and Aubameyang scoring another 40 goals in all competitions. I'm calling it now, people. It's our year because Bayern lost to Arsenal. All right, that, that's fair. I will say my closing remark to all Dortmund fans, if there's ever a year for Dortmund to win the league and make significant progress in international competitions, this is it. Um you have the team in place. You still, you retained a team for once in, I don't know, what, three or four summers? Like yeah. The full team is intact. And for Bayern, this is one of the most you know, make-or-break years. You know, Angelotti has a lot of pressure to win the Champions League, which will probably take most of their focus. And they have a bunch of new players coming in, and their superstars are getting older. So this, if there's ever a year for Dortmund to do well, I'd have to say this is it. <laughs> Pulisic makes it 